0: But why swim meets, right? Oh, there's more than swim meets. Is there? Okay, so it goes across multiple, like, sporting? I found in
1: the past, last year, the same type of scam was... What did I come in
0: on? I I love that.
1: The
2: first first (laughs)
0: comment on the live stream, but why swim meets? (laughs) I just like the smell of bleach. I really like Uh, the smell of bleach. That chlorine smell just gets me, you know? Mm. Wow. Because he's he's in a cult. That's what's (laughs) right. It's not far
1: <laughs> not, call. not, cool. Cool. not so, a call. Not a call. So, John, it's revolving around the call, when I asked you briefly earlier if I could poke the organized crime bear, because I think I'm going to. So, what the hell could ever go wrong with doing exactly. that? Exactly. I figure. I Well, at least I didn't put your name in when I created my fake account, right? Yeah. I mean, I, didn't <laughs> I appreciate that. Up. I appreciate that.
0: When you're when you're attributing it how did you uh do they have like any logos or anything on it that I are have normal? a lot
1: of data and i'm sifting okay. through it and so yeah i i'm i'm gonna try and take my you know a little bit of time and do a thorough job and get some other like to kind of look at it and so but okay. uh at the end of the day it seems like it's pretty more much more widespread than the that my two kids swim meets and so I, yeah i was
3: going through all right hey hey let, let, let's kick the tires and light the fires yeah. let's all go for right, right. it Hello, 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 and welcome. My name is John Strand, and welcome to another edition of Black Hills Information Security, talking about news. I have no idea what the hell we're going to talk about whatsoever because I am really underprepared for this particular show. I've got all kinds of weird things going on. It construction people that showed up, but I am joined by a lot of people, so I guess we're just going to roll straight into it. We've got yeah, just a ton of people here. Um, I don't know about you. What is it?
2: are you can't ban now yeah like
4: it's fresh I, I don't know
2: how to i don't know how to is, can anyone help with project management kant. tools i i i, I can't okay.
3: so emmanuel kant has joined us because our perception of reality is completely dependent upon our senses and how we perceive the world and it's impossible for us to be able to identify at higher realms of reality other than what our very limited sensory perceptions can give us but I, yeah thanks I've for joining the Matrix. Us i'm on. here there you go there you go um, we also got Degree Absolute Charles. Thank you for joining us. We have Mike, as always. Thank you, Mike. By the way, dude, I don't know what you're doing for the lighting, but looks <laughs> really, really good. Speaking of fantastic lighting, as always, a light in my life, personally, Kelly Tarala has joined oh. us. Oh, just happy that you're here as well. <laughs> um, Alex is here. And what do we got in the background there, Alex, today? We got a book.
5: Uh, is here? No, I think I just have the... Uh... No, this is fine. Yeah. Yeah. This.
3: Mannequin in the back blink three times. If you need us to send help. <laughs> so, all right. And we have Derek banks has joined us and he looks warm. He looks warm by the light of the glow of the fire on his monitor. So thank you for joining.
1: Yeah, so okay, cool.
3: we have, we have Wade as always, or not always. Sometimes he's just texting and that, that makes me sad.
0: <laughs>
1: because i like it when you're
3: here I, at Wade.
0: I, i've finally been elevated to like a meme i feel like i'm you now i have a picture of me as a mustached butterfly it's pretty cool <laughs> there you go welcome <laughs> to the world man <laughs> at least your mustache is the butterfly <laughs> speaking of butterflies ryan is here
3: and i believe that ryan has been hijacked by ai he's wearing a collared shirt yeah that's, uh, i'm not have- real ryan he must have had a job interview at another company. Today. Nice. <laughs> he so, no, this, and then, I'm appeasing
4: to Kelly because she, she was like, Ryan, do you have anything but black shirts?
3: <laughs> son of a bitch.
6: And you All look right. Good. I'm going to
3: join. <laughs> All right. And then we have Andrew on who's spunky as always. So. Don't you have a webcast with us coming up?
6: Yeah, Wednesday, uh, Wednesday morning, we're doing a anti-cast on identity management. It should be a good cross-cloud comparison of all things identity and just how hard it is to get it right and how the odds are not, in fact, in your favor. I love how many of us have glannels.
2: <laughs> I, hey, I feel I, so I, left I, out. It, I don't have mine on.
3: I feel okay. sad. Welcome to the InfoSec Ned Flanders podcast. Yeah. <laughs> uh, hello, neighbors. <laughs> oh, dear. There you go. You guys were making, you're all making me feel like underdressed. So there, bam. See? Now, it's it's
4: like the, there's the, the black shirt and then there's the flannel and then the one green shirt.
3: Yeah, like one green shirt, which I got, like, stain all over it this weekend, so I couldn't wear that one, or I probably would be. But let's
1: go infosec. Grunch. Yeah, it's the Seattle edition. <laughs> oh, my
3: God, the Seattle edition. All right, let's get started. I'm just going to pick a random... Does anybody have a story that they really want to talk about, or do you want me just to grab one?
7: I grab would really one. like to talk about Florida trying to ban social media. That was... Ooh. Oh, are
3: they trying to do a Montana? Tell us more, Kelly.
7: Well, the article talks about the state of Florida wants to ban uh, young people, sixteen and sixteen to seventeen year olds, from being able to access social media. And you might be saying, "Well, why would the state of Florida um, kind of wade into this water?" No pun intended, Wade.
0: Yeah.
7: Um, uh, <laughs> Uh, you know, I really, I, I don't know, but I, I, I think it goes into a larger conversation of, you know, almost every every state now has a data breach notification law. Thirteen states have comprehensive privacy laws, and I think the state of Florida is kind of wanting to set the tone like California did with CCPA. Um, but interestingly enough is they've got a very lengthy explanation of what social what a social media platform is. They've gone through and they've identified um, LMS systems, streaming services, all sorts of things. Um, But it sort of begs the question, is it really the state's responsibility or is it the parent's responsibility to to manage um, how their children use technologies? And maybe Derek has an opinion on that.
1: As the opinion, uh, as the, father, but since you have children in that age group, cause as, yeah. I'm
3: out of that sucker. Yeah, so, <laughs> as
1: the, uh, father of two, uh, teenage daughters, I am all for the banning of social media just across the board for adults to just, let's just ban it at the national <laughs> level. No, I'm kidding. I do think it's the parents responsibility. And I think, you know, I think back to when I was a kid, all, all of the, so obviously there wasn't, well, there really wasn't. There was sort of the internet back then, but not what we call the internet. It was a while ago, and all the kids whose uh, you know parents didn't let them watch TV or like be normal kids or eat candy bars and stuff like that—they all turned out to be meth addicts. And so, yeah. um, I feel like that to a certain degree. And no one should take any parenting advice from me. You got to give the kids a little bit of. Like te- you gotta let them use the technology a little bit. They're going to be exposed to it. You cannot keep them from being exposed to it.
2: Well, the government banning stuff always works super well. It, it does. doesn't have it any, other, it well. it doesn't have any well. other side industries I, that it I, creates exactly, or anything. Exactly. It's, it's fine. I, I think we should call so, this the
1: Barbra Streisand yes, social media my, law. My, <laughs> my real opinion is, is I do think it is the parent's responsibility to make the call. I think that like all things, In moderation, like my, my kids on their own, put their phones down for two hours and do homework because we've talked about goals and they want to be athletes. Uh, That's because your kids are unicorns.
2: Okay. So can we start, (laughs) but can we start like a temperance movement for social media? Like get like little oh, hats great. and stuff that say like social media just say no I'd like and
1: stuff to like know, that. Note also, I did not start talking about the evils of social media yeah. and algorithm
0: recommender algorithms All right. or any you of that. Wanna, stuff. You want to you want to make the dare sure. of social media? Is that what you're saying?
2: I no, like, I want to make like I want it to be old timey like 1920s prohibition stuff. Like I want it to be like a man who uses Facebook is a man who's bad. Or I don't know, just like you know old timey stuff. Right. Breaking All right. news. All right, here's we need shirts.
3: We need old-timey shirts. So someone write this down. We need to create old-timey tag Jason templates movement shirts right. for upcoming I'll put it conference. in the, the t-shirt chat GPT generator. Put it in. <laughs> put it in. Um, all right. So let me let me kind of like throw this into an infosec. You know, it's like kind of quasi-philosophical. Uh, we had some people that were talking about the social dilemma, which I think absolutely everybody should go watch that. Um, social dilemma absolutely should be one, but I think it's easy for us to fall into traps and basically say, well, it should be banned or it's all just parents' rights. But what happens whenever you have algorithms that are specifically designed to like try to hook people and addict people as much as they possibly can, right? And that's what the social dilemma goes into is actually talks about how those algorithms are incredibly manipulative and, uh, that data can absolutely be used against us in very, very like systematic ways. I mean, if we want to get, since somebody was like talking about John Strand and deep cuts, let's go, uh, let's talk about Edward Bernays, right? You know, whenever you look at, um, uh, like Sigmund Freud and his view of, you know, how to do psychology and things by and large, it's been debunked. Um, Whenever you're looking at like psychoanalysis and psychology, however, his cousin or nephew, I think it's his nephew, uh, Bernays, he actually found out that you could actually apply those things at mass scale and have tremendous impact uh, on the overall psyche of an entire country, which he was basically... There for advertising and a lot of things that the government was doing insofar as setting up, um, uh, I think it was Nicaragua, I'm not sure. Um, but, you know, how to frame that as like a revolution for the people when it was really just the banana industry wanted to have no competition uh, down there. So, when, exactly, Bernays like the sauce, but totally different guy. <laughs> So this actually does apply because if we're looking at algorithms and we're looking at things and we're looking at trying to protect individuals and trying to tie that into computer security, I think the question is a valid one. Uh, these algorithms can be incredibly dangerous. These algorithms we have seen have actually been used to knock over entire countries, and like, don't don't we think that there should at least be some regulation or some oversight? For this, because I agree, you know, the whole thing about parents should have the decisions and things like that. But usually you expect people to make decisions when they have adequate information to make decisions. And right now I feel with like people that make laws, they sure as hell don't have the ability to make those decisions. Parents don't have the ability to make those decisions. And hell, whenever these people testify in Congress... And they get asked how exactly does this algorithm work? They're like, I don't know, I don't know man. It's artificial intelligence. It just kind of does that. You want a Kit Kat bar? It just—it's really, really good at that thing, and no one really knows how it's actually doing it at some
2: level. I just so don't that, think. A lot of
3: people I don't out of that space. I don't think are just could, like it's scary.
2: Run. So, I really so don't think you could make a law or regulation that wouldn't just create ridiculous unintended consequences of like now all the social media is talking Spanish because that wasn't regulated when they made the law. I don't know. Like there's there's yeah, like but that's it's infinite possibilities. The, the, it there is
4: there is no way you're gonna get a law in there for the simple reason of advertising dollars. Because but, those ouch, same algorithms are used for the advertising dollars, and the amount that those companies
0: are gonna spend Lobbying against that is unbelievable. I think we should treat it like drugs, right? Like education. So there's these YouTube videos that show like how people are on drugs, right? How drug, how these drugs affect you. I forget what. Norwegian YouTube channel did it, but I was like, all right, this is actually pretty cool that they're putting this out there. So you understand it. If we had some type of education system on these algorithms, be like, Hey, if you're looking at these things, exactly like this is what can occur. And this is what happened, but then making that fun is the hard part. So but that, yeah, it's like Ryan brought up, this is
3: like the third time and Wade, you're not like in the BHIS chats, but. D.A.R.E. has came up multiple times <laughs> because we all remember that D.A.R.E. was an incredibly effective and wonderful program that Nancy Reagan solved <laughs> drug crisis in America and all problems were solved. Kids, all problems. I honestly think
2: most teens who were questioned in Florida would have said, yeah, ban Facebook. That's fine. We don't care. Yeah. Well, that's like, not, that's they're own, they're, they're on, gonna yeah. switch to like I don't know like Pigeon Chat or something like they're gonna have or talk tick <laughs> instead yeah, TikTok instead like of the, There's yeah, it's not gonna yeah, happen. You can tell Corey doesn't
1: have any teenagers because it ain't Facebook or Pigeon Chat at all. It's a uh, Snapchat and TikTok man. Oh yeah, well <laughs> but, that's what yeah, I mean. Yeah, I'm saying right,
2: they'd right. be fine with banning Facebook, but, like they yeah, don't care exactly. at
1: all. But so the problem with the algorithm auditing route is that there are very few people, as John mentioned, who would be, even be capable of of uh, of evaluating an algorithm in the first place like we're talking about in the hundreds of people maybe into the thousands of people who oh,
3: No no I now. would say I would say I would say it's less than a dozen. Well, I don't uh, know about no, and they're continuously
2: changing. Not. What do you do like export a git repository and be like all right yeah. this is what we audited then it changed 50 times and in the next 10 minutes I don't know. So, they so and they're <laughs> hanging out in the basement
3: with people that understand quantum computing. All right, we need to move on though. So well, Kelly, I, I feel like we solved this problem though, right? We Andrew, did. Yes, you,
7: you did great. Had But let's talk about <laughs> our did. other overlords, John, Microsoft.
3: Ooh. Oh my gosh. They've had a rough couple of days. Which, which Microsoft do you want to talk about?
7: Um, let's talk about the, um, the email compromise.
0: Oh, the, uh, the business the, executives,
7: the, the
0: business executives where they just looked for intelligence on themselves. Was it that one where the threat actors yeah. then looked for inform what, microsoft had on them so on yeah them, once they
3: broke right? in yeah, they they're were like, like oh, what whatever. do they have on sh- sh- sad panda 52 isn't I, that like kind of tied back to social media like it seems really narcissistic to me <laughs> like if it's the first thing you do once you break in is you like you internally like sharepoint search for yourself that's low
7: but
2: so is you this see like the- uh is this a justification for why you shouldn't cc your boss on everything because
0: hey, then they, hey, your hey, boss hey gets hacked and all the
2: apts find out
0: <laughs> well, at least I, they had I, a cool name. Midnight Blizzard is pretty, pretty BA. <laughs> yeah,
2: a nice it name. is
0: pretty. It's pretty <laughs> badass. It is pretty badass. They just kept randomly so.
2: generating until something sounded like out of a movie or a William Gibson novel. <laughs> it, and it was. Uh, how did they get in? Was it? It
7: was, it was password
2: guessing. Yeah, yeah, it was a test
3: yeah. account.
7: Yeah. yeah. Password guessing and a test account.
3: Now, would it, did they have any? Did they have any mention about two factor authentication or bypass or
6: was it even?
3: I mean, it's enabled? Microsoft.
2: So they had Rob C as a feature. It single says factor, uh,
6: yeah. it says the account was not protected by two FA, so yeah. a, a brute force attack, which means password guessing. <laughs> yeah, but the account was not. So
3: I'm I'm going back to I'm I'm, I'm just going to keep you know pull out my soapbox because hell that's what BHIS is apparently for me. <laughs> Lack of two factor, folks. It's got to be a high finding in every single. No, John, that this goes is a out. test instance.
0: It's fine. Is, no, no, this is it's the fine. worst though. It was a senior leadership, cybersecurity, and legal right. So when you ever, you see a cybersecurity person that has a summer or winter password, I puke so hard. And they just add a whole bunch of digits at the end of it. Just like, oh, I'm going to get past that.
2: You know (laughs) what? I think we should tell Microsoft they should use Microsoft uh, Azure AD password filtering. You know, I really think it'd be helpful for them. Maybe we should send them a recommendation to their own help page. We should. Don't worry, John's going to
0: give them a a critical on their next security. (laughs) (laughs) John's going to do their pen (laughs) test.
2: (laughs) Like John Strand, does. Andrew.
3: Andrew, you've been on some shows, we've talked about it, but I think the last one we talked about we, one of the things that came up is it's incredibly difficult for organizations, especially with like cloud computing to turn on two factor authentication everywhere. And that got a bit dicey. in um, so far as a conversation, what are your thoughts? Like, is this something that organizations just bite the bullet and say, F it? We're turning on two-factor authentication if it's facing the
6: internet directly just do it yeah i think you you pretty much got to go for a hundred percent or nothing strategy you know there's plenty of different ways to sidestep the whole like we can't do this for machines or we can't do this for outside in synthetics testing there are so many good solutions today there's almost no excuse anymore to go with exceptions from your 2fa policy i don't care if you store the the totp secret seed in a password manager and you use a command line to go in it's and just generate those somewhere. six digits just enforce it across the board but we're still not seeing the adoption that we really want to see for for 2fa universally
3: now what okay so that's another question i want to ask what do you think especially uh, like the areas that you're working in percentage wise do you think of organ like what's the percentage of organizations that have adopted two-factor authentication we actually have in- a
6: stat about that in this year's datadog state of cloud security that showed that it was getting better but i still want to say it's like 56 percent that's not enough that's for not big too hacks. Shabby. That leaves plenty yeah. of room for big hacks.
3: It leaves plenty of room for like employment and job.
6: Like, <laughs> so I, I got that. I got that wrong. It's, it's 76 percent of IAM users in AWS, fifty percent in Azure, and twenty seven percent in GCP this year.
3: Sweet. Sweet. So GCP's growth industry for pen testers. Got it. So I think what, this okay. has a lot
6: to do with like the onboarding flows for these respective clouds, and when new customers come into their environments, like how much does a cloud actually advise you or shame you into doing the right things as you kind of onboard and, and set things up? And uh, some some onboarding wizards are better than others. Some awareness programs are better than others. But you know, really, again, I'll just say it one more time. There's there's really no excuse for not using two FA for a hundred percent of your users, cool. regardless of your IDP, regardless of your cloud, there are good solutions.
3: This was really right. a PR We also field. have some more free consulting that you need to give because now your help desk support, here it comes. Uh, does AWS still only allow for one physical key for MFA?
6: No, for, for root accounts, they actually have changed that. So it, it used to be that they only allowed one second factor for for the first user that you ever create, the root user. But that has changed very, very recently. In fact, now they even allow you to enroll two WebAuthn tokens, and if you are an AWS Identity Center customer, you can actually enroll multiple second factors, so you have a a series of recoveries. Because it was always like terrifying to think, "Hey, if I have my second factor on my keychain and my keys go over the side of the boat." You know, hypothetical scenario. This definitely never happened to me, but what do <laughs> <Yeah>. I do? <laughs> do I have to go through this painful reset process? And I think just that alone has prevented a lot of people from onboarding to 2FA is, is thinking about the recovery if they lost that physical second factor in a lot of cases.
2: Yeah. So this is, cool. I think this is just a PR fill from Microsoft because all they had to do was just say it was a honeypot and it was intentional. That was like, <laughs> why, what did, we do. why didn't they do <laughs> Wait, that? What? Why didn't they just say it was on purpose? Duh. This is totally, we're yeah. just monitoring the attackers. Hack back.
6: So the Azure side of things is really interesting to me, right? Because a lot of people that use Azure Cloud or, and I assume that Microsoft uses to some degree Azure Cloud internally, they also use a third-party identity provider. The identity, partner is so, the identity yeah. provider is so separate. You can know that the context of a user, like the authentication context, the IP address, the attributes of that user, the fact that there's no in-browser cookies are so wildly different why the heck did this not trigger you know, like a high or a maximum risk alert, especially if it was a test account? There are a lot of other known things. 2FA aside, you could have alerted on to know that this activity was
2: very unusual. Yeah. Also, password filtering should be a thing. It's the default now in Azure, so I, I don't know. Whatever. Sure, just
6: like all that aside, like we can pick on the password and we can pick on the 2FA, but we can also pick on the detection and response. Kind of side of this because you can yeah, assume suspicious user, user side, behaviors will yeah. always be bad, and we all have jobs because often user behaviors are not aligned with best practices. But <laughs> what what was going on in the sock that day?
2: Well, they didn't so, have logs for the test uh, test instances. You you know that's probably what it is. Yeah, we just accepted the all the
6: test accounts because the licenses were too expensive.
2: Oh yeah. Defender okay. for Interpre- yeah. or uh, whatever all test account all the Risk- time. Monitor risky sign-ins. That's an expensive checkbox for Microsoft, okay?
3: Cool. All right, so there was mention of honeypots. I've got a story that I'm really excited about. It wasn't in the news. Ryan just picked it up. I just sent it to him. Um, it's in the MIT Technology Review. It's a tool called Nightshade. Um, This tool is a data poisoning tool that lets artists fight back against generative AI It messes up with the training data in ways that could cause serious damage to image-generated AI models. Um, So basically what it is, if you have a picture and it's got something like Nightshade in it, whenever Dolly or Midjourney or Stable Diffusion goes through and it takes that picture and it tries to incorporate it into some other art that it's going to create later, it actually corrupts the data model. Uh, While this is really, really cool and I think it's neat, there's a lot of ways around it, but I think it gets into a bigger, um, it gets into a bigger sort of question around how in the hell are we going to deal with poisoned AI models? And I would love to get the, get the feeling from the people that are on chat and Discord and on LinkedIn and things like that. But this is actually something that's kind of been eating me a lot with artificial intelligence. Whenever we're talking about AI that's being used for mathematical models, or we're talking about AI that's being used for just even natural language processing, or we have AI for pictures, or we have AI, God help us, for medical things, um, sure. you, you can absolutely mess with those data sets. And you can have that, that serious poison. And this is just a visual example of what can happen. But seriously, imagine if you could actually poison mathematical models. Well, imagine um, if you can drugs.
5: poison the AI usage in military applications, which is already, I, I know that was a headline that, you know, they remove some of the restrictions so that it can be used for military applications, uh, but it's already being done. There are countries that are using it to select. Uh, cool. bombing targets. yeah, um, so, so poisoning the potential to poison AI data for something like that uh, is horrifying. So
1: yeah, I mean, but I mean, so uh, when you when you talk about like an AI model that's trained, it's on the per the the team that's training the model to make sure that their data is clean. like i don't I don't think it's cool, in my opinion for someone to just go scrape the internet and use that as their training data, which is where they would get these images from. I mean, you can't just poison the AI if you're training. Like, I guess what I'm saying is, it would seem like to me to be a practical step to make sure that the people who are training these models, make sure that their training data set is secure. I mean-
0: you got to get your uh, AI plus certification in order to understand that uh, it's not <laughs> real, right? So yeah. uh, don't get caught to you
1: anymore. I ideas. mean, I, I've trained <laughs> these models before. I I went and got a degree in this crap, right? And so, like, I, I'm just saying that it would if I no, was on I mean, a you team. You wouldn't stop talking about it. No. No, I regret it. I'm sorry, <laughs> but, uh, no, I'm joking. Uh, it really changed a lot of the ways that I think. But I mean, I guess I, I'm. I'm more worried about not like, non-transparency in data sets for algorithms that are unleashed on the public. Like, you know, ChatGPT5, for example. Like, I, I don't know. I'm more worried about that kind of stuff than I would be about like a military application or something like that because that model shouldn't be taking input from an untrusted source to use as a training set. So I guess, I don't know, I, I, I feel like that I, i'm not worried about poison models so much as more i kind of look at this as kind of akin to like little bobby tables you should have sanitized your input man like i don't the, know this yeah. is uh, a, no, no, the no, whole, no, the whole
3: promise of ai is that you can just flood a whole bunch of data and then it's gonna do all the work for me and, uh, mm, i don't
1: have
2: to worry yeah, about yeah. It. <laughs> this is like the act two of the ai rebellion right like we're fighting back yeah, well, maybe this
0: is it. <laughs> maybe you can like become a data broker that has certified clean data that then sells it to AI people, right? That would. That oh my god! I, I
2: love how Wade immediately turned it into <laughs> Wade. A a venture capitalist <laughs> is it. hacking their way into this chat I, right now.
3: Dude. <laughs> here, here, Wade. I'm not going to bet you on this. I'm not going to bet you on this, but kind of a bet, I guess. But that is so brilliant and so incredibly stupid <laughs> at the exact same <laughs> time. What just came out of your mouth? That when that happens, and you know it's going to come out of Silicon Valley, right? There's going to be a service that uses AI to clean the AI data that feeds the AI. <laughs> when that happens, we're, we're, we're going to we're gonna call it the Wade Mustache Award. Uh, when that finally happens, I will donate like $500 to a charity of your choosing. All right. Because uh, it's going to happen, sir. It's going to happen. Someone do it now. I want to
0: see it <laughs> To to some degree, that's actually
6: already happening with the brokering of the data sets that are uh, pre-general availability of chat GPT. So, you know, it's the non-radioactive steel analogy where if you just mix enough human-generated content in with a little AI-generated content... Suddenly we, but we need a
3: VC funding company,
6: and they've got to say they use AI to generate the
3: data for the AI. Like that has to happen. Like, it, I will it say,
2: okay, is it, is this the equivalent of like AI is doing drugs? Is that where we're at? Is it like the AI is just like, listen, man, I just don't want to be on this drugs. planet anymore, man. I'm gonna go take. I'm gonna have the poisoned art. I'm gonna use it. You can't stop That's me. Drugs. That's the theme of this Monday. <laughs> for those of you, we had
3: the Bhis tribe of business meetings on every Monday, and we had a very long thing about drugs. Because now drugs are horribly complicated. It's like, okay, okay, okay. I get that we can't drink on the job. Okay. And I get that we can't well, do that, illegal hold on, that drugs. That
2: was a debate in and could of you, itself. Could
3: you, <laughs> could you describe what's illegal? Like, are we talking federally illegal, state illegal? Local the AI illegal? said it was fine illegal. The, the, the AI
2: said it was illegal. Like, could you clarify?
3: It's I really like one or two
2: Yeah. This is going to be like the new marketing for like the, you know, chat GPT killer is going to be like, it was trained on non GMO organic clean artwork with no (laughs) nightshade. That's
3: everything I just said is going to guarantee that everyone wants to work at BHIS, but no one wants to
0: do business
3: with (laughs) BHIS ever again.
2: Well, (laughs) the Balmer peak is in the handbook. So don't worry about it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So how long do you think it is until nightshade is like built into Photoshop software?
1: Yeah, uh,
3: it's. I bet you they're coming yeah. up with a plugin totally. like right now. It
1: can't well, take long. What about music? Home. Is there a way? Like, is there something for Nightshade for music there, coming? Because...
3: I'm sure Skrillex is already. <laughs> yeah. all <over> <laughs> there,
0: there's like the there's like the dog whistle undertone in every single song. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, so
4: that's the real Turing test. Is when AI starts getting high, that's when you know
1: it's actually. Self aware.
3: Self aware. <laughs> nice. <laughs> when your AI is high, hey, you know, may, you're pretty Maybe high. <laughs> we answer
1: the question that maybe Nightshade is how the AI gets high. I mean, that's
3: what I
2: think. I, that's my that's I my think theory. That they,
3: I think that they already did this. What's that guy that's uh, that does We the Best Music? I think that that was like an AI generation. DJ was Khaled, like every, another one. Yeah, DJ Khaled <laughs> has got to start with that every single time. So it works. So as we just pissed off all the DJ Khaled fans out there. So I want to move on to another story. I don't, I've got it in the notes here in the private chat. It's from dark reading and it says, it says three top priorities for CISOs. Now, for those of you that are on the panel, don't look at it yet. Don't look at it yet. I want people. And if if you're listening and you're typing in, what do you think is the number one priority in this article for CISOs? Spring 2023. (laughs) Spring 2023, banning it. All right. What else? AI, ML.
6: Zero trust.
3: AI, ML.
2: Zero so like trust that. is that's no, old. That's old. News. No, that's old. crypto, oh, that was crypto
6: five years
4: miners, uh, no crypto. No way, no miners? way. They don't care about crypto
0: no. miners, not anymore. XDMR squared,
4: whatever. Maximizing,
0: we're
6: C- A- 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 A-
3: A- A- on
0: fire today, man. <laughs> <Yes. Yes. laughs> we're yes.
3: killing it.
0: DEC good X-DMR
3: squared you're like a big idea man, man. it's like paper clothing I'm, you're done you just throw them away i'm secretly
0: becoming I'm gonna, a sales engineer on the side so I'm, uh get ready i'm gonna
3: feed tuna fish mayonnaise <laughs> we're just gonna cut out the middle step so
2: okay all right, so we got all the stuff ryan scroll down I, I, the okay one uh, the fr- i already looked at the first one is, is it yeah. just like make a shell court for yourself like <laughs> no no <laughs>
3: hold on here it is number <laughs> one is Defend Whoa. yourself against <laughs> your so the wild. That ability. is not what? I How does that even? Uh,
2: that, no. What?
3: What no, is this? I, okay. I, I, no. This popped up in my feed. By the way, I've gone back to RSS because Reddit was sucking my soul away, and Twitter is just awful. And RSS feeds are awesome. Kids, if you don't know what they are. Go check them out. They're old, 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 like 20 years old. Maybe John, older. should I make a
2: BHIS no, no. blog post called Inspecting Your Golden Parachute for Holes and Tears or something? Oh, you should, dude. Like, you could totally do protect that. Protect yourself you against liability. You. It's, like, <laughs> cool. it's like, okay, take out your golden parachute, have your lawyer look it over, and then have his lawyer look it over, and then double check it with your corporate lawyer, and then make sure your stock- uh... Then get your personal lawyer on it. <laughs> so, so. That,
1: that first one there, though, create a system record. It can be a planner or diary, blah, 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 blah uh, potential security so you're logging everything that happened in a security incident haven't we been saying to do that for i don't no, know but this is all from the solar time? winds
2: thing this is actually blowback from the solar <laughs> winds thing and it's, at, IR?
0: Well, it's, it's solar actually winds and though. uber right and solar uber and yeah this yeah. is yeah. good and stuff uber.
2: i mean th- I, this is way better than i expected i thought it was going to be like oh this
3: article was straight fire yeah like i don't know who wrote this um if somebody can call out uh stefan lawton contributing writer he looks like he should be an accountant,
1: but
2: um, <laughs> That's number two? Like, John, those are the three? things we think, but we don't say them on the show.
3: <laughs> Steven, seven, uh, Mr. Lawton, your article is awesome and your mustache is more awesome. <laughs> you are one of my heroes. But this article, like starting with that thing, told me that this dude did his research. Yes. Like this is a straight fire article, create a, a system record. And notice how he kind of puts it in a planner or diary where every action relating to a potential security incident is recorded in detailed chronological description. The only thing he didn't say is don't make it part of the Microsoft suite that your company is using. (laughs) I got to say,
2: this is the first actual advice for CISOs that's like actually good
3: it's like, it's there it's like,
2: there. like like the part where it says learn to speak to the board of directors and other executives in financial terms it's oh. like wait what i was a music major i just took this job because i wanted a good salary and a golden parachute i'm confused what yeah yeah the next one create a corporate
3: definition for materially be sure to get their input from general counsel or the chief risk officer to establish cure got gu- clear guidelines for what is legally considered materially significant to investors and shareholders. And what is not there
2: is this guy like a CISO, like this, this is a lawyer. Law. This is a lawyer, not a this CISO. Is, I mean, this, this is, is a, this a lawyer. Be a lawyer. Is, does,
6: it, like, does anybody like, know of a, a publicly accessible definition of a company's materially significant? See,
3: it, Andrew, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter <laughs> because if it's defined within the organization, sure. yeah. it's creating cover for the CISO. And that's the only thing that matters, like whether or not it's a an ex- generally accepted definition or not is relevant. It's whether or not it's agreed upon in the organization. Like they straight up in this article are saying, go tie the hands of the corporate lawyers to a definition, which is just like, well it is,
6: done. It's sir. brilliant. Well done. I'm just wondering how many how many people actually have this like of the C-0 Oh it's
2: totally it's self world. it's yeah. got to be self referential it's like the material so definition zero. is whatever the business says well, the material definition well, is the, like it's one of those like don't infinite loop
3: the internet will turn into a black hole and consume us yeah. all like it's it's not <laughs> The there.
2: comment from Tig 68 eight three is hilarious did this guy get burned and this is a checklist of what burned him on the way
4: out it <laughs> hey might, like,
2: like, might be spot on i used to be a CISO. now i'm a journalist let's not talk about it but here's an article i do like the overall <laughs> so,
1: theme of this is yeah you're gonna get popped here's what you do tonight get in trouble
2: yes it's yeah. not like this silver bullet will protect you from wade Nothing, yeah. will <laughs> Nothing
3: will
2: protect you. So, Nothing will protect you from So number weight.
3: two was monitor emergency privacy threats. And and Kelly, I want to throw this one to you here in a little bit because a lot of the people that are on this show and a lot of the people that listen to this show were like straight tech geeks. It's like, you know, how did this group get hacked today and all these different things? And when we see something like privacy, it's like, well, that that shit just seems boring
2: and we go The subtext away. is don't would let you... the ransomware group notify the SEC that you've been breached.
3: <laughs> I would say that that's always given. But is there an intersection, Kelly, between like the techie people and the privacy people? Because you and I have had conversations about this offline and the answer is yes, but I think that people probably need to hear it from somebody who's an expert in it while I mess with my lights. So go ahead. Oh, sure.
7: There absolutely is an intersection. Um yeah, you know, we, we talked at one point in, in this podcast about privacy harms and there's um, harms to healthcare. There's harms to um, physical location if somebody knows where you live. We talked at one point in a podcast about harms to um, a, a man or woman's health care, depending on you know what sort of um, reproductive health they're looking for. Um, so there absolutely is a tie between privacy harms and security. The thing that's hard that for us to understand is in cybersecurity, controls are, are somewhat more simplistic. They're more black and white, and I'm not saying controls are simple, um, but they're usually, is it on, is it off, is it implemented, or is it not? But privacy harms aren't as clear cut, and they're more, um, what's the right word? potentially harmful, and um, they also compound itself. You know, it's very easy to look at a, a server or a firewall and say, yeah, nine out of 10 controls were implemented or not implemented. But when you're dealing with privacy harms, if, if somebody knows um, when and where you uh leave your house and they know what kind of car you drive and they they know that you're going to be going to a doctor's appointment they can kind of string all of that information together and kind of um anticipate where you're going or what you're doing so i I think that's kind of uh john to summarize the question privacy harms are a bit more squishy whereas security controls are much more black and white well
2: It's funny because like how I see this is like, what happened to GDPR? We just moved on and now we're like, essentially in the US, we're catching up on privacy law. And that's what the article is warning about is like California and other states have implemented like gotcha laws that the companies need to worry about. And I, I might, I might be wrong about this,
3: but GDPR isn't a framework for how to secure a private, like secure privacy or anything like that. GDPR is an accountability framework. Like if you get hacked, this is what can happen to you. I mean, I might be wrong. Kelly, is that a fair assessment? Um, G- is
7: that-
3: because I've never seen GDPR like here's how you secure your passwords. It's like it's
7: not implementation. Like, yeah. It's not accountability either. It's more of a definitions framework, um, because GDPR says that privacy is a is a fundamental human right, and therefore we're going to define what needs to be covered to protect that fundamental right. So it's a definitions framework.
2: Okay. It's just okay. funny that like now they're, they're like. I mean, there are GDPR fines, 100%, but they're now this, for CISOs in the U.S., they're like, don't really worry about GDPR. But now that California's doing it, you really need to worry because you know how you put that you European... You really need to be watching yeah, for it. It's like, now, yeah. now it matters because you know that European data center that you just like closed off from your network and said, this is our solution to GDPR. Now it applies you know, everywhere or mo- more places.
7: I think but, what's also missing in that article... Oh, I'm sorry, Corey, I didn't mean to interrupt you. I, I think part of what... Um, he's hinting at is hey, there's a lot of privacy efforts that are buried in the legal department or buried in the marketing department. I've gone into organizations where uh, there's been GDP or um, uh, G, uh, governance risk and compliance platforms stood up inside of legal and marketing that the security team didn't even know about. So I think what he's saying is there's going to be a merging of privacy operations coming out of legal and marketing and being more intimately tied to security operations.
4: Okay. Uh, Also, with the privacy harms, um, with data brokers and and just the leaks that are out there, anybody who's done OSINT research, the, the privacy harm could be 10 years, 20 years down the road that somebody decides that they've got something against you or they want to do some research or a future employer. That harm could come later on when nobody's even thinking about the breach that happened.
2: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, the the privacy harms thing is a good angle, I think. I I I wish more CSOs were considering privacy just as a general like thought experiment. But the last one is like an interesting like it's kind of a marketing pitch for another tool so they had to throw that in there they had to throw in like well yeah, okay, there is there is yeah. one thing you have to buy and that's they're calling it third-party <laughs> risk third management party risk providers management, so it's like yep. what is this you just throw in all your third parties and they're like oh you use microsoft risk critical yeah. like how does that i don't know oh my God. <laughs> like, i don't know yeah, well, it's a little bit of a pots
5: therefore it's this article overall. sponsored by security scorecard well no <laughs> yeah. it's it's
2: actually sponsored by prevalent which is a third-party risk management provider but i mean it's not actually sponsored but that's who get that's the quote from the article is that person but yeah i mean yeah. i don't know the third-party risk is always there i do think it's real but it's funny to imagine like purchasing a third-party tool to assess all your third-party tools it's like okay how far deep does this go it's like uh, uh what I and it's know. going to have an AI know.
4: built into it also.
2: It's like you we we, we looked at all the third-party platforms you use, and then we used AI to think about all the third-party platforms you might use. And if you were thinking mm-hmm. about, you know, I don't know, it's just like, why?
7: I read it slightly differently than you guys did. I read it as, hey... I'm talking to the CISOs here, but let's get um, a wider perspective of the organization as a whole. And maybe you need to be talking to other departments and understand how they're managing third-party risk. If it's physical security, if it's logistics, if it's, um, you know, account management, HR. I I guess maybe I I looked at it a bit more broadly than just security, third-party risk.
1: Yeah. You said you guys, I agree with you, Kelly. I, I, we actually have clients that are in the process of mapping out like third-party data sources and assessing a risk internally, right? They're, they're not buying a tool. And so I, I kind of read it the same way that it's like more of like, you should know where all your data is going kind of thing.
2: Yeah. Good point. I mean, uh, it, they talk about creating a cross-functional supplier risk management framework, which sounds CISO super- speak. That's C, so to speak, but I think as a concept, it ties. Like, let's segue here because we're talking about third-party data breaches, which are like the standard one. But you know, now let's let's go over to Steeler Log Corner, where I live, and Uh, uh, talk about too. Let's talk about the new data breach, which when I looked at it, I was like, I already had all this like six months ago. I I, I I want to sell this. The
1: corner was a bad part of the internet, man. How do I sell?
2: It basically makes me think, John, should we sell all of our breach data for cryptocurrency and then use it to buy more? Is that a bad idea?
1: (laughs)
3: Yes. I I just think that that's a self-licking ice cream cone (laughs) at that point.
2: (laughs) I'm joking. I wouldn't do that, but this data... No, of course not. Basically... uh, I hear you. yeah the uh the link ryan is the uh there's a troy hunt article about it it's kind of gotten a lot of press i read this like from from my perspective it's like this is a data source that was new to people but if you've been connected into the data breach world for a while this won't be new to you this list is actually pretty like sparse compared to the data sets that some of the sealer logs generate so basically it's a database that's being passed around 104 gigabytes credential stuffing list um but it's all s- sourced from serial log data so it's you know it is what it is but it's yeah, definitely I mean, we're talking about third-party risk you can go find in this data set most companies third-party accounts on some
5: shadow it tool that the legal team set up or something like that that's yeah, really what it yeah and and all of this stuff is still searchable on the internet because i i kind of had to do a little bit of a sigh when they had the line of like the now defunct illicit.services website and I'm like oh troy it's not it's now not defunct. defunct it's, it's, it's search.zero.t.rocks. yeah yeah
2: or, it, wait, it's a, yep <laughs> 0 <t. laughs> rocks, yep
5: um, so it, yeah, it mean, I mean it's still there so and I I used it um earlier today which getting into like the the aspect of like the usability of it like I looked at it because there is that potential, you know, again, getting into privacy stuff of pivoting and i well, will get to this in a moment of pivoting to uh, attacking like personal uh, email accounts and personal phone numbers. And the fun thing was that as I was writing that up to deliver that talk to leadership, we had those types of reports coming in being like, hey, here's reports of people. They're they're getting hit up on their WhatsApp by this." start. CEO. They're getting hit up by on their personal email accounts. And it's like, how are they connecting your work email accounts to your personal email accounts? And I'm like, okay, just go look at this website, search somebody's, you know, just search the domain of a, a company, go like, you know, at bhis.com. And you'll, I don't know if bhis is in there, but you'll find your end users and you'll find that similarity score tying them to uh, personal email accounts and phone numbers and addresses, and maybe even license plate numbers, and just all of that aggregated together. That's a nightmare and goes back to our previous article that, yeah, CISOs need to uh, consider those privacy implications because now you have that. Adversaries know that you're going to have at least some controls in place around your corporate assets. So they're going to engage with you on social media, on WhatsApp, on your phone, on your um, personal email addresses. And that's just going to be a, a new nightmare for CISOs to have to deal with.
2: Oh, if you want like a snapshot of how I'm using this data for red teaming, I am today backdooring macro documents from some person's shadow IT created uh, project management tool. So like, think of, here's the scenario. Marketing team creates a shadow IT marketing tool that they're using for their marketing stuff that isn't tied into corporate security, doesn't use the SSO or anything. It's just something they created with their team. And then one of them gets compromised. The credentials are leaked. I log into this tool using their corporate account. I see they have a bunch of documents floating around. I'm downloading all these documents. I'm putting malicious macros in them. And that's my third party attack, right? So it's like that is literally red teaming tactics. And if we're doing it, you know that threat actors are doing it too. And that's yeah, where the third absolutely. party risk comes from.
6: Very cool. I wonder uh, how many companies that are listed in that database are companies that also charge premiums for single sign-on as a capability. They put it in like the enterprise tier. Oh
2: man, pricing. so oh. many. So you could just—you could them.
6: never get it through yeah. the third-party risk tool because all of a sudden it would take you six months to onboard that thing that you just put on your team's credit card.
2: Oh, <laughs> I, I love—I love that you thought of that because you know that's like definitely going to prevent this any of these tprm or whatever we're calling it, uh, t i don't know whatever yeah
6: like when when not. does it stop when do we stop charging premiums for sso as as a capability not to like get on the soapbox about mm-hmm. the mfa and the sso
2: no i like again. it again I like it. Yeah. I think we should take, we should have like a wall of shame. The company with the most compromised public accounts and who doesn't have MFA or doesn't or charges like paywalls MFA. <laughs> that, is, that would just be that a, a that would just that be a, a quadrant contact. that
6: is worth so, creating. Like, that like I think we should. You yeah, have a, a massive contact.
2: amount of breach data out there and we, you paywall MFA. Have, you are now in the bad and- quadrant.
3: Corey, we have the data. We do. just need to like get a flying monkey to go do it. We do. And yeah.
1: Like, we is do. It, make this is it still copying from one place to the other? Wasn't that going to take like six months or something?
2: No, no, we I have we the data. It in. I, I, listen, if someone wants just all the data, just, just, it's fine. I'll, I don't I'll want mail me data. a hard drive. I would, like, you mail me a hard drive. I mail you back a hard no, drive. It's no, fine. I
3: don't no, want all the data. no. Corey does not speak on behalf of Black Hills Information <laughs> Security or anybody at Black Hills.
2: Information oh, wait. I was Security. talking about cat pics. He
3: was talking about specific Black Hills Information Security vetted and full background investigation employees that may want that hard drive. We'd be happy to share it in an offline capacity. <laughs> <laughs> cat ah,
2: pics. No. It's just a bunch of cat pics. Good. Memes.
4: Memes.
6: For cryptocurrency in a parking lot. Oh, that's
2: fine. As as long as it
3: can't be traceable. You know, it's got to meet at a dollar general. Just do it there. It's all public data. That's all I'm going to say. It's all public data, but we have a lot of it. So pretty soon, Corey's going to come to me and be like, I came up with an idea. I I think we've got our own search engine here now. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Oh, all right. let's, Let's pick another story. What else do we got on the stack? I went through all the ones that I was super excited about.
4: The, um, the, the, oh what was it the the mac i'm sorry i can't remember the oh the um, i'm looking at this wonderful site the jam discover discovers new malware disguised as popular mac os apps and the one i'm a pc
2: wait now that
4: really scares me in there is uh one of them was microsoft remote desktop (laughs) haha
7: What well, hey, let's talk about JAMP just for a second. So, do you remember it wasn't too long ago, what maybe a couple of years ago, where a lot of Mac users were saying, I don't need any sort of endpoint protection on my Mac, it's an Apple, who cares? Now, I think this just is another great story to say, Hey, uh, Apples are nothing special.
2: Well, JAMP yeah, is a is, uh, like, there's, there's Jamf a, good is a well, Jamf is an the... MDM. There's a good
1: argument that Macs and Linux machines are actually behind the curve from Windows 11 in terms of, of security because they haven't been targeted like Microsoft operating systems. I got to say for my times as a pen tester, I was way more successful with Macs and Linux when I got my hands on them. Like,
2: Yeah, I would say yeah. like as an operational target, like Mac is a, has it has a little bit more. uh frustrations getting things going but once you're doing postx you're yeah, like once you get past that barrier to entry you are just like in yep um so yeah yeah i i still you
3: know, this gets into a mac question but yeah and and aren't the sales like down like 40
2: percent year over year for Macs anyway, like they're becoming an even smaller. Mac, I mean, I like, could segment. see it Corporate. because if you bought any of the Apple Silicon stuff, there's basically no reason to upgrade after that. Like they made it so good with Gen 1 that like there's nothing, there's no reason to go from like, like M2 to M3 is like, I don't know, it's like slightly better and slightly more power efficient, like, but you're like M1 is still fine. So who cares? Like, I don't know. That's how I read yeah. that. But yeah, I, I mean, I, I
1: think like my Mac
2: so, okay, what is the actual angle for this? Is it just, like, adware? Like, how are they delivering this malware? Because obviously it can't be in the App Store, I assume. Charles?
4: Oh, uh, it is being distributed through pirated software hosted in China.
3: Oh, yeah. Okay, so it's not the Apple Store. No. but yeah. it, it, And that's weird because, like, if you try to download um, software directly from the Internet and run it, not through the Apple Store.
6: You have to like do this weird.
2: Oh, you have to like, yeah,
6: you have to. to, to,
3: Yeah, yeah.
2: Yeah, i jobs, your fingerprints. It's a whole thing.
6: (laughs) The the user journey is not that bad. If you download a unsigned or suspiciously signed binary on macOS because you double click on it and then it throws up a prompt that says, hey, this is like signed by a software vendor that we couldn't identify. And then you click a button in that prompt and it takes you to the exact dialogue that you need to click the button in. That says, just go ahead and allow this anyway. Yeah. And I
2: do appreciate that Apple. And uh, yeah. as, a Mac,
4: as a Mac user, I can confirm that. Yeah. You, all,
2: all It just asks you if you want to do it. And I you, can. You do yeah. It. I mean, personally, when I'm phishing Mac users, I just tell them to go paste this command in terminal.app. That works way better. <laughs> because, yeah, <that's laughs> <easier that> way. <laughs> because like that, that ter- once you're in like terminal, it is like wide open <laughs> range. That, that paste, paste, Python paste this, uh, guy on the help desk was very helpful. My <laughs> Mac is that Pi- much that, that Python interpreter has a lot of capabilities that are not going to be gatekept or monitored at any step. Just something curl thing. pipe oh, yeah. to
6: bash or curl pipe to yeah. pseudo bash is so common practice in macOS developer workflows for cool. so many essential things because the devs don't yeah. want to pay the hundred and ninety nine dollars to sign the binary and go in the app store and go oh. through the vetting process. Mm-hmm. <clears throat>
3: and it, and it's not just an Apple thing. Like, you know, I have people at BHIS. They're like, you know, we could co- totally find something janky off of some website somewhere and get this for dirt cheap. And I'm like, no, 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 no. Do me a favor. I- <laughs> pay the money, please. Just pay the money. It's fine. I'm happy to pay. It's okay. Don't do that. But it's just, yeah, it's
6: pretty, it's pretty crazy how easy it is to get janky software oh, and it's di- been
3: like that since oh I mean, yeah I mean, let's other, talk about the other yeah. apps in
6: this list are impressive secure crt and ultra edit like remote desktop client is interesting but i know or used to know so many people that loved secure crt and ultra edit. all right no oh, well ever- i mean
2: why would you pirate remote desktop isn't it free oh, on the app Store? <laughs> Yeah, it, it is. I mean,
1: isn't it one of those things where you like Google, like, you know, your search, yeah, for it's at, add, and it's like yeah. one of the things, um, right? And yeah. so like these things scare me, but not nearly as much as uh, uh, malicious software on the Python store. You know, how many people sudo pip install stuff. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah. I brought it up at, uh, at one of our uh, systems meetings and everybody was really quiet and we moved on. So yeah uh, because there is yeah i don't i don't know what to say right you just have to be careful
3: what you install pip install
2: but... totally not malware oh yeah you yet. can yeah. you can put anything in pip there's no malware scanning and same with I, I don't know about brew but this is like a you know homebrew is a potential pathway i just do i i don't have like specific data on this but i want to say that like a huge percentage of the Steeler logs we see are from pirated software like i would yeah. say almost probably 75 percent of like the people when you look at like the screenshot of what they're doing in the what that executed the malware it's like it's it's pirated software it, it's just every time so like i would basically say at this point you know the key gen songs aren't even as good it's really sad so don't even bother with pirated software i mean that's it, that's
4: where we're at LimeWire wire 4.0 yeah <laughs>
2: Uh, Griffin Griffin
3: Infosec just said PyPy surpassed NPM as the highest for having malware in the repos. That's impressive. I so I don't, I don't I don't I don't know if we need a citation for that but Griffin Infosec's legit. So we're going with it. Yeah, we
6: we actually so. did a study on this last year in November of 2022 we released an open source project called GuardDog that just used semgrep to go in and fingerprint malicious code inside of Python packages and we found literally Thousands of um, packages, you know, they're just sitting out there in PiPi, like either with typo squats or all kinds of weird. Some of those
2: are us, okay. We (laughs) publish some tools, okay. Team communities, like (laughs) sorry. Well, like I mean, I guess it's like what is malware? Like I know we have plenty of payload generation or password guessing tools that you can just install. I mean, impact it. Is that malware? Yeah. How
4: do I know we we were specifically looking when? at
2: things
6: like obfuscated code inside of Python oh, Py okay. packages because seldom does a legitimate Python package developer obfuscate code for something.
1: Right. I mean, like uh, yeah, those people are a big, weird. Big 64 blob or something like that. Yeah, there's yeah. there's a bunch
6: of different methods to do it, but a lot of them were trying to steal cloud credentials or you know perform cryptocurrency mining on the low key. Uh, and th- those those are all interesting because, you know, they do the exact same thing that the package was designed to do. They just do one more thing.
2: It's one of my yeah. favorite scenarios when a customer comes to me and says, so we want to go after our developers. I'm like, <laughs> like, it's because it's, there's so many angles there and there's like they're used to running code in privileged uh, contexts and it's beautiful. Yeah. I think
4: one of the scary things, and, and I mean, it's not the end of the world, but the fact that some of the more secure aware users uh, would be using VirusTotal, and VirusTotal didn't catch these.
2: They're like, oh, it's a Mm -hmm. dot .app? We don't know how to decompress that. Let's just move on. (laughs) No, I I mean, I don't know, but that is 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 scary. I mean, yeah, I I will say like... VirusTotal yeah. is a low bar for, like, APT or, you know, like, it's... Well, think, but it, well, for pirated software, yeah, I'm surprised. I mean, you have a point just
1: overall. I think that Mac apps and, and Linux in general, it just seems like, you know, security suites are a lot weaker there, right? Yes, I mean, 100%. There's I think no
2: Windows event types. There's no, like, it's just yeah. let also op... Like, if we're talking about uh, incident response team capabilities and awareness, or even SOC team capabilities and awareness, how many of your incident responders know how to run an incident on a Mac or even take a forensic image or analyze it or like how, or know how to like reset a session token to the app store. I don't know. Like it gets pretty, uh, it's pretty cagey and yeah, the tools aren't always there. Like, yes, there is, I think all the major EDR and XDR providers do have Mac like agents, but when I've tested them in the past, they haven't typically been as, um, robust yeah they, they did like the concept of like oh this is a direct or indirect sys call or i don't know things like that that a lot of tools yeah, you know, are straight, up able, on. straight up
1: able to netcat out use python like yeah. i was able to create my own backdoor i didn't have to use malware so yeah. well, that, I yep. think
6: good luck so um,
1: cat yeah. on linux doesn't get caught right so yeah
6: i think the yeah. the shops that have very high maturity and very large fleets of macs you know do a They're good a job different. This, which yeah. is why you know GUR has binaries for macOS, for example, because Google has tons, or used to have, I don't know what they do today, but they used to have tons of macOS laptops out there because that was just like, you know, if you got a what job in San Francisco, wanted. you yeah. just show up and they hand you your bag and your MacBook and your MacBook Pro. Pro. Yep. And <laughs> oh, it's required. Yeah.
4: Well, and part of it's on the community because so much of the Linux, Unix, and macOS community, we've got this hubris that, oh, well, we're better than Windows. We don't have to worry about
6: it
2: but yeah i think it's they
6: have the smug is that what you're trying to say yes it's funny (laughs) they
1: have the smug i
2: I think it's like really both platforms i would say mac os and linux can be hardened significantly further than windows can but whether you actually do that and whether you know how to operate in that environment and your developers can operate within that context of like you know you can go deep, deep down the rabbit hole of like all the different ways you can lock these systems down. They have very good permissions, file permissions, things, and all that good stuff. But like that combined with a developer use case is like a tricky thing to implement of like, yeah, yeah you need to be able to pseudo pipe things to bash, but also security. Yeah. <laughs> like, like that's like, times <laughs>
1: when I talk to our clients, they don't even know how many Macs they have, much less how to secure them. So they're like, wait, Max, we just ignore those things. Wait, wait, viruses? <laughs> like, whoa, right. I was told they don't get viruses. It's a, it's exciting
6: that Jamf <laughs> is doing this kind of work, right, because they probably sit on top of the largest inventory database of any vendor. And it's, yes. it's super cool that they actually have an internal team that's going through and kind of putting this out there. Because you can use Jamf to do tons of endpoint hardening, you know, whether it's pushing yes. out Git hooks or, ensuring that that people aren't getting apps from from shady places so like if jamf is publishing this stuff they're doing a good job raising awareness that there is a gap to close where you do need like AV anti malware EDR for your macOS fleet yep and i, I yeah. think it's cool to see yeah. that from a company that is the size of jamf being this transparent yes, yeah, yes totally we're doing a good job
7: hey john before we wrap things up i know we're getting close to the hour um I was just peeking at my email and I got an email from Troy over at Have I Been Pwned about a new Trello breach. So those of you who have accounts on Trello, you may want to check that out.
2: Yeah, I looked into getting that data set and the, I was like, hey, can I purchase this? And the seller was like, give me an offer. And I was like, what is that even like? What am I supposed to do with that? So it's like, $10. I don't think the data is it's not public. It's like, uh it's quasi public and the data is pretty um it's pretty limit it looks like a scrape to me it looks like a api key type of deal i think it's 14 million users or yeah. something like that and it's
3: there it was 15 million yeah. 115,000 it's it's, so.
2: it's not it's not super sensitive data but there are there is some like account level data like oh did you have a subscription did you have this but it's not like all your projects are disclosed i th- i would guess it's a scrape like a API key abuse or something like that. But I don't, that's all yeah. just speculation. No. Yeah. It just says right now, the,
3: the hacker's name is emo. Uh, claims they have emails, usernames, full names, and other account information. I don't know what that it's other It's basic
2: stuff. Is. It's like, is your account subscribed to premium? When's the last time you logged in? How many projects do you have? Like, it's not, it's not like a list of your projects or a list of your something. Like, it's not as, okay. I don't know. It doesn't look particularly sensitive to me other than just you had a Trello account, but.
3: Yet, so I guess we'll see. Yeah. All right, everybody. With that, let's wrap it up. Thank you so much, Kelly, for just ending it on another downer. You're awesome. All right, and we'll see you guys next week. Thank you so much for coming.
4: Thank you.